Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our wrestling podcast. So without further ado, the following contest is scheduled for one fall. And today's topic, when wrestling gets real. Next question, Jeff, where are you? Right there. Yeah, um, I just want to thank each and every one of y'all for all you've done to your bodies. It's still real to me, damn it. You think he's God's gift for women? He walk around like his shit don't stink. I guarantee you one of y'all little tap-off boys bring that shit down here to Sandy for you'll be lucky to get out of this bitch alive. Now, Davey and Kyle, I ain't saying that y'all that type of people, but you got Davey Richards walking around with his little title belt and a mouthpiece in. It's pro wrestling, son. Hey, hey Terry Funk ain't wearing no mouthpiece. Hell no, Terry Funk ain't wearing no damn mouthpiece. Bruiser Brody ain't wearing no mouthpiece. Doing your little jujitsu. Welcome to the OWP. This is our wrestling podcast. This is Dave along with Jess. Hi, everybody. And cuz. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, wrestling getting real, guys. When wrestling got real, it gets to be a lot of fun. It can be a little dangerous, too. Uh, I had a lot of fun re- uh, actually researching this topic today. I found a lot of great little gems that I, I actually kind of forgot about. There's some there's some fun stuff in here. And I already believe that this will just be episode one of this particular topic because there's a lot of times when wrestling got real in and out of the ring. Uh, before we get started, uh, Jess, do you have anything you want to talk about when, you, when we talk about when wrestling got real? People are going to think that – well, people do think that don't watch pro wrestling think that it's dumb. When they get like really mad at each other behind the scenes or whatever. But I always tell people, well, listen to the Christian Bale thing that leaked a few years ago, you know, when he was on the set of Terminator. Oh, yeah. Fucking lights. Like, yeah, artists and actors get (laughs) really crazy. Good for you. Good for you. This is like a serious thing. Like, you know, I think more nowadays it's more entertainment and they do treat them like actors, at least in WWE. So, but what I really like and what I fell in love with was the art form of pro wrestling. And I think that it's getting lost. Hopefully other promotions that have sprung up in the last couple of years can help change that. But, but I mean, it's just like when you, if you get mad at work, right. When you're getting mad at a coworker or whatever, or someone's not hearing you out at work or whatever, it's the same thing. Like I always equate wrestling backstage to a job, like an office building, where, you know, you get promotions, which means you could kind of get a better spot on the card or win a title. Like, it all equates to be the same thing. So, it's it's just like you would get upset in your regular work setting. That's what we're talking about here. Oh, and yeah. With wrestling, depending on what era it is, like, uh, they can get kind of down and dirty sometimes. They can get kind of brutal. Real fights break out in the back. Real arguments. Real politicking. Real backstabbing. It's a lot of fun. All the good stuff. It's that other half of wrestling that we die to know about and die to get into, I think. Um at the same time, because uh, you had something you wanted to talk about when it comes to wrestling. I think you had some small examples before we get into the to the storyboard today. Well, I do have a couple of stories, but there was a story in particular that I was thinking about after those two stories. And I'm like, wow, how come we didn't even mention this? Because this is what should start this episode. It'll set the tone because this is kind of what started when wrestling gets real. And Jess, I'm going to have to hand it to you. And you know what story I'm talking about. I'll just quote it. What's wrong with you, boy? That's an open hand slap. You know what story I'm talking about. David Schultz. 
Oh, that's like John probably original. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you got to start back, it off with that. <laughs> back in the rock and wrestling era, like it was, uh, it was, wasn't really widely known that wrestling was fake yet. And you knew it. You knew it. I think everybody knew it. Um, I mean, when we go way back to like the, you know, 50s and 60s, people thought it was actually real, like they'd watch it. But around the 80s, the rock and wrestling time, this is early rock and wrestling time. You know, it was kind of starting to launch off the ground. Vince was separating and all that stuff. We talked about all that before. So, but Vince started letting the mainstream media in thinking even back then, like I said before, Vince had this dream of making wrestling entertainment and, and kind of like mainstream. So he wanted, he wanted the wrestlers to stay in character. But when this reporter came backstage, uh, Dr. D David Schultz, for those of you who don't know, was like a well-known heel in pro wrestling. And he came over with Vince and he worked well with Hogan. So that's why they brought him over when Hogan was just getting over with the title. Um, so he was in character, but in his mind, uh, he didn't. He's deeply in character. So this reporter, of course, act, asked this, the question, which is a sin when you talk to any wrestler. I mean, this is all fake, right? This is all a show, right? And he open hand slapped this reporter in the side of the face, and he like kind of cupped his ear, right? Just open. I mean, like you know those videos that you see now of the Russian open hand slapping tournaments. You know, yeah. Have you seen those? Yep. It was it was that kind of slap, or it was an open palm slap. It wasn't a slap like you see in the movies. It was your palm, your fingers stretched back. If you if you open up your hand and your fingers kind of pull back to where your palm is going to hit first, and all two hundred and 75 pounds of this guy hit this skinny ass reporter and knocked the shit out of him. And then he was just like, that's an open hand slap boy. Like basically What's alluding like, you? can you, yeah. Can you imagine if I actually punched you? I only open hand slapped you. If I chose to, I could kill you. So is that fake boy? I'll ask you the standard question. You know, standard question. I think this is fake. You think it's fake? What's that? Is that fake? Huh? What the hell's wrong with you? That's open hand slap. Huh? You think it's fake? You there's been other situations like that in wrestling where um, we'll probably cover at a later day because I think this might be the only one that we're covering that involves a wrestler with like a civilian, like someone not in the yeah. sport. Where, But uh, that's happened a lot. There's been a lot of situations throughout time, even before then, where they get like that with the general public because they don't like that word fake. Wrestlers do not. I don't even think this day, this day and age, if you use the word fake, I don't think it's going to be like met with a smile or anything like that. They don't like no. it. And back here, uh, it was, uh, and there was a lawsuit brought on WWE. There's another, I'll parlay real quick off this, um, Hulk Hogan and Richard Belzer. I was just the, thinking about that. The there comedian Richard Belzer. It was, they were doing uh, um, uh, press for WrestleMania 1. Hulk Hogan and Mr. T were doing all these talk shows. Now, according to Hogan, T and him had been just running and running and running. They're probably partying at night, you know, and then like barely sleeping and then getting up early in the morning and doing like Good Morning America and doing all this press for WrestleMania one uh, where they took on Orndorff and Piper. So, I mean, WrestleMania is sweeping the country and it's a big deal. It hadn't even happened yet. It's a big deal. They got Mr. T teaming up with the Hulkster. So I guess uh, Richard Belzer's show that he did, he did like a daily talk show. Um, where uh, the producers called and started giving Hogan a guilt trip. So oh, you were kind of scheduled to be here. And it was something that Hogan, I think, could could take or leave. He didn't have to go if he didn't want to, him or T. And uh, they said something to the effect of, there's kids down here waiting to meet you. So Hulk's like, shit, like, all right, I got to go. Like, come on, T, we got to go. They say there's kids down there. We, let's just do it real quick. So they go down. There's no kids. 
Richard Belzer is like this stand-up comedian, and you know he's he's now he's in uh, what is it Law and Order, the Law and Order shows? S- uh, yeah, the SVU portions. Yeah. SVU portions, yeah. So um, you know who he is? He's a skinny comedian with glasses, yeah. and in the late seventies, early eighties, he was like one of the up and comers. Dif- different beat, different kind of humor, but so uh, his talk show, you know, was was that eh, wasn't like a highly rated show, but it was something in the local market. I think they wanted to do. So um, so they went there, and then they're sitting there, and it's kind of a tension fill. He's trying to be all funny and and clownish towards Hogan and T, and Hogan and T are in character, and T's a fucking idiot. Like if you go back and watch this, like he's just way into character. You know, the generic. If someone outside of wrestling is playing wrestling for a while, you know, like a celebrity, their their go to character is just to be <sighs> like that yeah, fucking character. Angry. Like <laughs> all wrestlers just do that. I mean, I mean, Sid Vicious does and the warrior does, but not every wrestler is like, like, you know, in every single interview. So T's just doing that. And he's like giving him one word answers. And honestly, in Richard's defense, not a fucking very good interview, but Hulk was kind of indulging. So then he brought up the subject again. I mean, a lot of people think this is phony. Do you have anything that you can show me that will lead people to believe that this is real? So Hulk said, yeah. And to give you again, Richard Belzer was probably or is probably like maybe six foot, maybe five eleven. He's kind of gangly, but he was like hundred and seventy pounds, like something nah, like that. Not even that, probably. Maybe not even that. Hulk Hogan is is a legit six foot six. Uh, three thirty, probably yeah, three thirty at this point. He was massively swole. Yeah, and so he gets behind him. He says, "Yeah, come on over here, brother." And they walk in the middle of the set, and he puts it. He gets behind Richard Belzer and just. Puts his like puts him in a not a sleeper hold but like just a chin lock standing it's chin a front lock. face it's just a front face choke oh no it's a front face lock you're right yeah. yeah he gets him in a front face lock and and Hulk puts his forearm right under Meltzer's uh, uh, Richard's Adam's apple yeah. and so Hulk says all I gotta do brother is apply pressure and basically all Hulk did because he's so big was just straighten his back and it li- almost lifted Richard up off his feet cutting his air off and then he passed out. Hulk let him go because he felt him go limp. And when he did, Richard Belzer fell back and, I mean, fucking smacked the back of his head on the stage. And got up and there was, you could see when he turned around, he got up and jumped up and tried to like play it off. And he's like, all right, we'll be right back after these messages. But he doesn't even remember saying that. And when he turned around, Hulk says, are you okay? And you see the blood pouring down the back of his head. And it was pretty brutal. You can look it up on YouTube. It's still available. He was, this uh, day, he was legit out for a few, almost a minute. It was a long time. And, and T's like, it's okay. He's just sleeping. Yeah, T's in the back. He's like, oh, he's just sleeping. That's it. And then T went into this ridiculous like tirade of, that's what you get right there. Never challenge the champion of the world. He's a dangerous, he's a dangerous man. He's a champion of the world. Or something fucking stupid. And like, it just, you knew it was all off the guardrail. So, of course, he sued the shit out of the WWF and Hulk Hogan. And they can't talk about the settlement. But the, to this day, Richard Belzer joke is, oh, yeah, with that settlement, I bought a whole house and property. And I named it like, uh, uh, what did he say he named it? It's a, uh, oh, shit. It's something know. Hogan. It's like Le Hogan or something like that. Like so, yeah. <laughs> to this day, yeah, it's like Le Hogan or something like that. I'm probably butchering the name, but it's like a joke that he says he named one of his estates after Hulk Hogan or something like that. So, yeah, that's that's another situation where someone said the fake word or, or alluded that it was fake, and and something happened. Brother, <laughs> you just tell me, brother, when you want him to quit squealing, okay? All right. Called a front chin lock. How about it, T? Keep him like that for a little while. Because <laughs> he's all right. He's just sleeping. He's sleeping. Really, that's, I, was, I was a sleeper hole. He'll be all right. He's waking up now. That was a serious right, A lot of people. See, it works. 
All right, brother. And now, I'd lo- I'd love to get into a whole other episode of when when the outside world tries to challenge wrestlers. I think it's a oh, that's great. I think it's a phenomenal subject that we got to get into. Yeah, um, I-, I love talking about that shit because I would never say that to a wrestler. I have too much respect, first of all, just between us. oh, for sure. Uh, I would never do. say anything in the realm of, of fake. The worst I would go to is call it predetermined because it's still brutal. That's exactly. They still sacrifice yep. our bodies. That's what pisses me off about people that just, well, oh, it's fake. Like we we had a little fun about a recording on last episode talking about, you know, the warrior's not really a warrior. It's all fake. You know, <laughs> and it's just, yeah, we know. We understand that it's predetermined. But we also understand that it's incredibly dangerous. And these guys put their life on the line every day just to entertain yeah, us. Yeah. And like assholes, you know, like yeah. quit being assholes about it. You know, like it's a, it's, it's a craft. It's, and it's our personal soap opera. You can go watch your, your novellas and shit. Nobody, nobody yells at you for watching that bullshit. So like, why don't you just fuck fake. off and let us enjoy our, enjoy our shit. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Those fuckers, man. I, I don't like, I don't like it when people get into it like that, but I like when they get, I like it when they get theirs. If that, yep. if that makes any sense. Oh, it does. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't wish violence or, or, you know, upon anybody, but yeah, I mean, in the sense of it all, it's like, uh, you know, I, 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 if you're trying to make a spectacle out of them and embarrass them, you kind of get what's coming to you. Now, yep. if Hulk was like on top of him, like raining punches and elbows down on him, that's uncalled for. Hulk didn't really know that he, that he was going to fall back and hit the back of his head. Hulk, I, I believe Hulk intended to make him pass out. But I don't think that Hulk uh, meant for him to fall back and thwack the back of his head the way he did. Like I said, no, I go agree. to YouTube and look it up. And uh, it's it's fantastic. Like it's, it's fucking it's, phenomenal. It's really. crazy. Yeah. If you if you ever want to like, I'm not sure if I should get into wrestling. I know blah, blah blah. People give me shit. Watch stuff like that and watch what these guys do to normal people. And you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> like all right. And then you probably you might get into it if you watch what real wrestlers do to. I want to say fake people and people of entertainment that want to you know challenge their business. Idiots. <laughs> yeah, idiots. <laughs> you know, you're a stupid idiot, right? Yeah. Um, then <laughs> yeah, you can kind of kind of plug that in. So yeah. uh, if you guys are ready, I, I got some stuff set up here. I got about I got, four topics yeah. we can chew into. I got a couple. Uh, uh, you got some more? Yeah, because you said you had some more. Yeah, hit it. Take it away, man. The first one that that you know I brought it up in text. So do do you guys did you you never heard the Warrior and Rick Rude story? I have. Okay, Tell you have. brother. Dave didn't. I have, but it. it no one knows. I right? don't know. I, well, a couple people mentioned it. I want to say, fuck, I don't remember who talked about it on their podcast. Rick Flair. I don't know. If Flair told it because Rude yeah. told him that story or something. It like was that. Flair. The the more recent one. Well, I don't know when Flair did it, but uh, there's a video of Smash from uh, 2016. Uh, he was on Hannibal, and all he said was that uh, he he Rick Rude went back there and roughed him up. But from if you read, like, you know, if you look up Warriors biography and everything, they mentioned the incident with Rick Rude. Uh, not no one's sure if it happened in 89 or 90. Uh, but the one story is that Warrior, <laughs> once again, stiffing someone in the ring. And apparently Rick Rude, all he did was go backstage and he said, hey, man, lighten up out there. And Warrior, supposedly, Warrior said, I don't have to because I'm the Warrior. And then that story says that Rick Rude just lays him out with one punch. But Flair's story, all he alludes to is that Rick Rude beat him pretty bad. No one really knows the story on that one. But, you know, long story short is that Warrior was stiffing someone, just like Andre, like we talked about in the Legacy of the Ultimate Warrior, uh, stiffing someone, 
and not getting the hint of hey you're 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 still pretty green in a sense compared to us uh you need to learn how to to pace yourself and slow it down and take it easy and uh you know if it's true that warrior said hey i don't have to because i'm the warrior then man i guess you really took that warrior character to heart and uh that, well, you know, and that got him knocked defense, out and i don't know <laughs> yeah his defense though uh why the fuck am I defending yeah, the Warriors? I was going to say, I, I, I'm, I'm up for a defense again, of the Warriors. Bro, I'm fucking sick of this shit. I'm fucking done. Uh, it's do just it. podcast. Just do, but I want to hear it, though. Um, I want to hear what you say. It, but, I mean, in his defense, though, I, I Rude has, uh, was known for kind of not having a short temper, but a very... Uh, they said he was the fighter cross, of the group. He was the fighter if you of cross the group. Yeah, if, if you cross him and he gets a bad feeling about you, he just fucking... Rude was legitly a tough guy. Like, he was... Yeah. He would fuck uh, you up. Like, like, I mean, not only was he in phenomenal shape, but I mean, like, he was legitly a tough guy. Rude could fight, like, fisticuffs. Like, but yeah. why am I talking like I'm fucking in the 1800s? I had fisticuff. Um, but, but the warrior saying that, I think what he was referencing to is, I don't have to because I'm the warrior. Referring to his character, my character is rogue and wild, and I don't, I don't do crisp, yes. clean moves. I'm a warrior. I pick you up, throw you down. I'm pretty sure that's what he meant. However, when Rude is mad and trying to tell you to fucking stop doing something, you Warrior found out the hard way that you probably should listen to him and <laughs> listen to the advice that Rick Rude is trying to give you before he knocks you the fuck out. Well, the the other part I heard about it too was um, people saying that because Rude had a known reputation of being a tough guy and you know roughing people up, it it, it was kind of implied that m- the Warrior did that in light of that in saying, well, you know, I, I know you go around and you beat people up when you have a, because you have a hot temper. I'm not going to be one of those guys. And you know, he ended up being one of those guys. Rumor so, has it. I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah Flair told that, the story, but Flair wasn't there because he wasn't in the promotion when no, it happened. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I mean, Flair says a lot of shit. I'm not disputing the story. No, yeah, I think it was sure. written in somebody else's book and I yep. can't remember if Bischoff confirmed it or what. I don't remember. Uh, or he heard about it because it didn't happen in WCW either. But Bischoff said he remembers hearing that story too. Again, I don't, who knows what happened? Who knows? But something happened. Tell him, champ. That's right, Warrior. The weeks, the months of training, it's all coming to a head. SummerSlam inside the steel cage. Ravishing Rick Rude is your destiny. I'm going to jerk you down from the side of the cage. I'm going to give you a rude awakening. Ravishing Rick Rude, I shall never look into combat as a challenger ever again. I shall only work for the Warriors. Then there will be no luck. I will only run for my Warriors. For the love of my Warriors. But something did happen in 2005, SummerSlam. That's the next story I wanted to get to. The Eddie Guerrero and uh, Vicky debacle. So... Jess, I'm sure you remember uh, what match this was during the ladder match for Dominic. Dave, do you remember that? Yeah, I was watching it actually earlier. So there was a part in the match where Eddie was hanging down. And basically what was supposed to happen was Vicky was supposed to come down and uh, she was supposed to basically uh, cost Eddie the match when he was about to get custody of Dominic, when he was, you know, reaching, reaching for the contract and, or the, you know, the clipboard or the briefcase, whatever I forget on that part. But um, so basically she was meant to come down when it looked like Eddie was about to win and, you know, push the ladder over. So what happened was Eddie he grabbed hold. I believe it was a briefcase action. Now that I think of it, he grabbed hold of it and he's hanging suspended above the ring. And 
the ladder falls over and he's holding on. Well, first he's holding on with the ladder below him and then he's holding on and then the ladder, I don't know if you remember if he knocked it over on accident or whatever it was, but he stays no, holding on. I got you. I'll okay. recover you on this one. All right. So basically, because uh, only because I just watched it because you brought it up earlier. Uh, literally, he goes up to the ladder and to your point, it looks like someone's supposed to take care of it before he gets there because he's up there way too long. He's got his... um. He's got his hand on the grip. You know, he could easily pull that briefcase off, but he's pretending like he can't, like it's not working. Um, so, you know, something is supposed to happen there. And by that point, Mysterio is stuck underneath the ladder. So he's not supposed to be able to do shit, right? But because it takes so damn long, he's getting increasingly frustrated. What happens is Mysterio has to kick him out from the ladder instead, and he's hanging from it. And then Mysterio has to pull him off and pull him away, which... Almost messes up Ray's. I'm sorry, not Ray's. Um, Eddie's leg. Eddie's Eddie's knee and leg. So yeah. when Eddie finally hits the floor, he's fucking pissed. He's really angry. You don't really know why because you're not really piecing it together until you see them really reset the whole thing. So clearly, yeah, they have to reset it. And because you can probably take it from there, right? Yeah, I was gonna say I will quote exactly what happened. So he hits the you know, and I'm sure those at home, everyone at home probably just thought, oh shit, like he he. Maybe he got hurt, or he's just really selling the leg. Um, so he hits the ground, and this is exactly what you hear, which is edited out from the network now. But you hear, as he's pounding on the ring with his hand, Motherfucker! Where the fuck was Vicky? Motherfucker! And some time passes by. Vicky starts running down the ramp, and you hear Ray Mysterio. You hear him go, there she is! And then he's like, fucker! And then that's, you know... That's, uh, that's when they got divorced. <laughs> that, yeah. But you know those those two uh, those two short stories. I feel like you know they're worth mentioning. You know they're. Uh, the Eddie, the Eddie one is is somewhat, you know, iconic uh, amongst the uh, the hardcore wrestling fans and everyone that you know lives on the internet. You know that that's a well known story. The Rick Rude and Flair, or sorry, the Rick Rude and Warrior, didn't seem like it was as known as you know, like Jess. I'm, I knew, you, I figured you knew, Dave. You said you didn't know, but you know that one I, I haven't heard much people talk about before. So I felt like those two were some good ones. Leeway into the the main meat of the show. That you guys are about to get into here. Yeah, man, absolutely. I, I um and I, I even looked it up on just on the internet and all that is edited out, even on the internet. You can't you can't hear Eddie saying anything. You just hear the him pounding on the on the mat, and that's it. <laughs> I'm sure we can find it somewhere. But uh, yeah, they, they do edit stuff like that out. Um also, you know, I'm a free bird. What's your excuse? Gets edited out as well. So anyway, check it out in our archives. We talk all about that. All right, so jumping into uh, the actual wrestling got real, some in the ring, some out of the ring. The first one we wanted to bring up, it's kind of like uh, number one with a bang, right? This is the one, if you are a wrestling fan, you look this up because it disturbed the majority of us, but it also gave us some satisfaction. And what we're talking about is the great Antonio versus Antonio Inoki. Uh, that is not a typo. <laughs> so... Uh, and for those of you that don't know, just to kind of set the backdrop, Anoki is a wrestling god uh, to his particular demographic and his market. I, I would pre- I would preface it to Japan's Ric Flair, just to give you some perspective. 
Jess, would you agree with that? That's kind of how they felt about Anoki at that time. Anoki was, uh, he was really, I mean, he, he was a big promoter and he was yeah. also like involved in a lot of politics too in Japan. So he was like bigger than life out there. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, he was huge. Right. And the great Antonio was also great and huge, uh, but in the gut, you know, I, I guess he was the great Antonio was some kind of famous French Canadian strongman. Uh, I didn't know that till I kind of did some research on it. I would, I, before I looked that up, I was wondering what the hell he was even doing here. Cause he's kind of like this just fat fuck in these yellow, nasty sweatpants. And he's gotta be 350 and completely out of shape if, if not heavier. And he's, I mean, I'm, I'm just a big old say beard, it. a big beard. Yeah, dude, just a, just a fucking sloppy bastard. Right. And I, I got it in my notes. I say he's just a fat fuck. That really attempts to no sell a wrestling legend in Anoki every chance he could in this match. Anoki gives him a drop kick, doesn't sell shit. Um, Anoki hits him at like 90 miles an hour with a shoulder block. No effect on the great Antonio. Finally, Anoki's like, okay, this is going to have to get a little real. And before it even gets to that point, uh, the great Antonio starts to get a hold of Anoki and really stiffs him for real. Over the back, like just wailing on him over the back. And Anoki at this point, this is a big mistake, by the way, because Anoki can handle himself. If you guys don't, for those of you that don't know, Anoki is, he's also a legit tough guy, in my opinion. And you can see it in this video. You can look it up anywhere on, on, on YouTube, social media, you'll find it. Anoki just smacks the shit out of him and takes him to the floor. And one single takedown basically kicks him until he stops moving. I mean, the guy didn't die. But the guy was beat up pretty bad. Uh, great, I would say he, the great Antonio, was beat up pretty badly and knocked unconscious. Um, all because he wanted to stiff the great Antonio Inoki, which is just so stupid in hindsight. I mean, God, it's stupid anyway. Why would you stiff a legit wrestler? That's that's my question. You guys, jump in any time on this. I find this fascinating and all stupid at the same time. I don't even know what they were doing. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm assuming it was just a show where Anoki came. To, I don't know if it was even Japan. It, I don't. It was right. It was in Japan, so it almost looked like I for believe, some reason I believe it they, was. There was like an American, a group of Americans or or Canadians, you know, just outside of Japan that came through for a wrestling tour, and Anoki happened to, you know, they went through Anoki's territory, and he's going to wrestle one. And I think Anoki probably wanted to fight this big bastard and you know beat him up, slam him or whatever, you know, and win and come out on top as the face. But this guy, I just don't even know. I don't even know what happened. He just chose when he's in there. What for those people who don't know, a lot of wrestlers they don't script stuff necessarily. They a lot of them just meet each other for the first time, or they know each other from the past, but like they don't talk about anything. Back here, there was no cell phones. There's no Skype. There's nothing like that. So they would get to the town and they would just meet their opponent and probably talk for five ten minutes. Hey, what are your moves? Uh, you know, oh yeah, I've watched some tape on you. Okay, you like to do this and this. Yeah, no problem. When I'll do this, I'll segue into that. Okay, cool, no problem. I'll but do the this rest and of this it's and... just a feel, right, Jess? Yeah, and then they just talk to each other and then and then you build heat on me and then you do your comeback and then hit your finisher and then we go home. Okay, uh, so and that's usually what it is. So I don't know if it was a language barrier or what, but this guy. Decided at first it wasn't so bad. He was trying to act like a big monster that couldn't be knocked off his feet. So like Anoki would try something and Anoki would bounce off him and he would like he would like pound his stomach like King Hippo on uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out. And so um so you were like okay, but then after a while you saw Anoki starting to get pissed because no matter what Anoki did, like this guy was no selling. I I believe after watching this that it might have been just a language issue because I think this fucking fool. 
just thought that he was just trying to, you know, uh, yeah, Noki, I'm going to no-sell everything because I'm a giant. And maybe this guy eventually was going to let Anoki win. I, I mean, I'm sure he was going to let Anoki win. I'm sure it was booked to happen that way. But for some odd reason, I don't know what it was. It just started going south. Anoki, you see him visibly in the ring start to get pissed off. And then he just had enough. And he just starts open hand slapping this guy. Like I was talking about Dr. D. Just open hand, open palm striking, not even slapping, open hand palm striking this guy hard in the face. And you could tell right away this big fat guy was like, I'm done. I don't want any of this shit anymore. Like, and then he went down up against the ropes and fell down. And Inoki kicked him right in the face like a couple times. And I mean, right in the face. And you're just like, holy shit, he had enough. And then the ref just stepped in and stopped it and they kind of ended the match like that. But uh, it was crazy to watch. Like, Inoki's a pro and, and he's a professional in there, but something pissed him off about this guy or he thought this guy was trying to take liberties on him or make a name for himself. That did happen back in the day. Like, um, you hear stories of a lot of wrestlers that got in there and, and sometimes they were given money by other promoters to try to break that person's leg or hurt that person. Because you got to figure, let's say, if the world champion, the world champion comes in your territory and if you can hurt the world champion, back then, now they stopped the match in WWE, right? When someone falls or gets concussion, they put the X up and then they have people come down and they end the match. Back here, no, if someone got hurt, they would just find a way to end the match if it needed to end, if someone broke something or was legitly knocked out. But they did not stop the match. They they recreated the ending to fit whatever happened. So, you know, a lot of times champions would come into territories and, and you know, a stupid you know head of the territory might be like, well, you know, if I kind of shoot against this champion and, you know, pin him real quick for real, I'm going to be in all the headlines just pinning the champion. They can't deny it. It happened live or it happened on other. So that was a real thing. So I think this guy just tried to take liberties on Anoki, trying to make a name for himself, getting the Japanese papers and stuff like that as the guy that Anoki couldn't take off his feet or some shit. And uh, Anoki just absolutely just had enough and just beat the shit out of him for real. No, I, I agree with a lot of that. I think where the switch flipped for Anoki was when he was taking liberties over Anoki's back. He was hitting him like yes, ridiculously yeah. hard. He was clubbing him on the back of the neck. And that was it. Anoki was frustrated in the beginning, don't get me wrong, but it, that could have been part of kayfabe because, like you, to your point, the guy was huge. And But the shoulder block should have swayed him back, and the guy just he no-sold that. And Anoki's like, okay, we might have a problem here. And Anoki knew there was a problem in his mind, at least, as soon as he was getting like completely stiffed over the back. Like Anoki would have, he'd be basically his, his head towards his knees and legs. And uh, the great fat ass Antonio was starting to wail on him pretty viciously onto his back. And Anoki like just stared at him completely and open hand slapped him so hard, almost put him to the floor. And that's when Anoki decided, okay, um, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to single leg take down your ass to the floor and I'm going to kick you basically until you pass out. And when he woke up, he was he was an absolute bloody mess because he he met the heel of Anoki at least six or eight times, like like real deep boots to the face, like no holding back. It, it's it's quite graphic, um, but I, I find it very satisfying. I'm and I love it. Terrible. I I absolutely loved it. <laughs> so yeah, and that's basically how I feel about the great Antonio. Uh, and I, and I love Anoki for this. I, I I would go back and watch a ton of Anoki's matches just because of this. If you have any, oh gosh, I shouldn't watch Japanese wrestling. I shouldn't do this. Go watch some of Anoki's stuff. I mean, the guy is talented. He's amazing. He also was the booker for several things at this time. 
Um, and when you watch him stiff on this guy, because the guy was being a douchebag, I'm like, got my respect, bro. Uh, speaking of some respect, it's kind of a flip because I, I had respect for Anoki on the Japanese uh, wrestling side. I had some tremendous respect uh, after doing some research on Earthquake, uh, better known as John Tenta, right? Uh, John Tenta, we all know as Earthquake, uh, he, he had a great run in the WWF with tag champions with Typhoon, or you could say Tugboat, or you can say Shockmaster, right? Um, and also, I mean, he even got he even got fed to Hogan uh, in SummerSlam 90 for a WWF title match and uh, had a great storyline with Hogan there for a good couple of months. And, you know, it, it's pretty amazing. But what we're talking about here is Earthquake versus um, uh, Kateo. And, you know, this is one of those – how did you say it, Jess? It was like one of those WWF dream uh, No, it, it was mergers. a promotion that you were talking about earlier. You were correct. It was a promotion called SWS mm-hmm. and the WWF, and they put on this uh, joint venture promotion. So it was WWE superstars against some Japanese, and it was yeah. – uh, uh, I believe that SWS was uh, promoted by Tenru, one of the, the Japanese legends. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he ran the SWS promotion and brought WWF in to mix in their talent and kind of help launch this promotion. The promotion only lasted from 1990 to 92. Yeah, it had its problems, right? Um, you and could find the out thing- there with DVD traders and stuff like that. I actually bought from somebody who had this. <coughs> well, excuse me. Somebody who had this, um, they burned it to DVD for me. And I have it here. Oh, this actual shoot match? Yeah, the whole SWS card. There's th- there was oh, two the cards. Card. Yeah, yeah, there was and, one, there was one we, early 1991 and late 1991. And from what I understand, Hogan was on this card, Savage was on this card, but because of the wrestlers not really knowing each other and not being Savage, able to Savage, actually, the first one, the first card they did, Savage wrestled about a week after the Warrior beat him for the uh, career ending match. Wow. So Savage actually retitled, and I think the announcers made note to it that he's finishing up his obligations and then he's retiring or, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he was still dressed as the Macho King here and all that stuff. And wow. fought, I don't remember who he fought, but he fought a Japanese wrestler. And That's kind they, of the point, right? Um, yeah. You know, Macho wrestled and Hogan wrestled, but it was kind of uneventful. This was, out of everything, this is the most eventful match because of wrestling getting real. Uh, so Earthquake is in there with, with Kateo and... Uh, the one thing you have to understand is that not only was Earthquake a great tag team champ, he got he got that great run with Hogan, which was pretty awesome. Um, probably the highlight of his career. Um, we can't forget that Tenta was also a sumo wrestler back in the day. The reason why that's important is because Kateo was actually what what we call as Yokozuna, not Yokozuna the wrestler. He was a Yokozuna or grand champion of sumo of that sport, so he was a legit tough guy too. So you've got, in my opinion, you got two real legit tough guys in this ring together. And for some reason, Kateo's coming out of the sumo uh, game. He's coming into the wrestling game. And, you know, they're going pretty stiff for a while. Out of, you know, you, you see you see Tenta or Earthquake. You see him pretty much take down uh, Kateo several times. And it's pretty stiff to the point where Kateo comes out of the ring he reaches over the guardrail, grabs an entire table by the side, and just throws it at the ring. Doesn't throw it in the ring for any kind of speculation. Like, I'm going to slam you with this later because that's not how they did it. He just literally grabbed this table and threw it against the ring out of nowhere. And you can see the crowd uh, is already greatly displeased with this. And even Tenta's like, dude, what's wrong with you? Um, this is not how we do things over in Japan. That's not how, that's not how matches work. It's not... 
honestly, even the WWF was not like that. We weren't, you know, you throw tables in every every freaking ever other match at this point, but it wasn't like that back then. So Tenta's like, dude, what is your problem? Right. And uh, you know, finally, it looks like Kateo's already had enough really quick. And he tries to stretch Tenta's arm. I don't know if you guys see this, but he tried to stretch Tenta and Tenta slapped the shit out of him. Like another open hand slap, like slapped the shit out of him. Like, dude, what what are you doing? Like Ten, uh, you know, Kato was really trying to hurt him early. And that's the kind of stuff that I think you kind of miss out on. All of a sudden you realize, wow, what did I miss? That's when there's this huge stare down. And uh, Kato seems to go for Tenta's eyes. He starts to like try to gouge at his eyes. And Tenta just loses it and starts yelling at Kato in the ring. And one of the things you can clearly determine uh, Tenta saying, or Earthquake, you know, just so you know who we're talking about. He's like, this is pro wrestling. Do you understand what this is? And he just stares down Earthquake. And finally, the ref tries to get involved and say, let's go. And Kato kicks him so hard that he flies like about three feet to the opposite direction of where he was. And because he kicked him so hard, he's in a lot of pain. And the ref just calls the match and disqualifies uh, Kato. At, you know, and Tenta gets, a, gets an easy victory. I was like, yeah, I win. <laughs> you know, like, All right. It was one of the weirdest things ever. I really wonder, I don't know if you guys wanted this too. After I watched it, I'm like, what if they really got a hold of each other? Like, for real. It would have been carnage. Like, these guys were huge, bro. And they could go. They could, they could legit hurt people. Like, they knew. <laughs> this <laughs> is another one that I just didn't, I didn't understand. I, it has to be a language barrier because, uh, you know, and I know Japanese wrestlers and the Japanese culture takes pro wrestling seriously, much more serious than the Americans do. But at the same time, like, it was really weird to watch because like, yeah, like you could tell Tenta was like showing him like I can fight. I can defend myself. You just got that by watching it, that this guy was trying to do stuff and intimidate Tenta and like really hurt him. And Tenta was like fighting back and slapping him hard and open palm striking him and being like, no, I can fight. I know how to defend myself. Like, again, yeah, Tenta was deceptively strong and and tough in the sense of like, not just because he was but 400 pounds, but he could actually really defend himself and he could defend against takedowns. He could defend against a lot of things. Tenta was trained in there to take care of himself. And it's just weird to see. It's like, where did the, when did the train go off the racks with you fuckers? Like good. What happened? Or when did the train go off the rails with you guys? Like it's weird. Like just seeing breakdowns like this. It's like, doesn't everybody know that it's fake? I know I just said the general public shouldn't say it's fake, but doesn't, don't they know it's fake going in? Like, it's a dance. You work with your partner and you might look stiff and that's just a different style of wrestling. But like, yeah, like these, th these two examples of the first match we talked about in this match where it's just like, what the fuck were they thinking? They're alive in an arena with thousands of people watching and cameras rolling and like they just fucking lose their shit and break down. Like someone just gets pissed off and butt hurt and starts really wailing on the other one and the other one defends himself going, no, I'm not going to tolerate that. We It's so weird. No, I, I agree completely. And it, it, the reason why I have so much respect for Tenta at this point was if I had known this earlier, if I had seen this as a kid, I would be like, God damn, man. Like, I think Tenta really oh, could have taken Hogan. Wrong. He probably could have. I mean, in real life, I bet Tenta would have beat the crap out of Hogan because, you know, Hogan's the showman. Hogan is the, he is the show. I don't think you there's know? any doubt. I mean, Hogan was never really no regarded I, I, as like a tough guy. I'm not saying of course he was pussy, yeah. but I mean, like, yeah. Hogan was a big son of a bitch and nice and tan and 300 plus pounds, a good looking guy. And he's he's your boy, man. He's going to carry that title for you. 
But in real life, like Tenta probably could have destroyed him, which, you know, when I when I watch this stuff and I watch him against who was a, a former. I mean, Andre could have killed most people. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And he didn't do it. You know, yeah, you have, you have to have more respect for Andre. That's why the, the Andre stories are so legendary. But I think like Tenta, Tenta could have been that legendary story, too, if we had even got a chance to know him beyond the Hogan run. And you watch this stuff, and you're like, man, dude, like Tinta's a Tinta's a beast. He knows that he knows that Kateo is is a former Yokozuna. He's not even afraid of it. He doesn't even it doesn't matter to him. He's like, I'll still kick your ass. I don't even care because we're not we're not doing sumo right now, motherfucker. I will I will beat your ass. Like if you want to make this real, let's go. And you can see that in Tinta's determination, in frustration, uh, and in trying to work with this guy. And what's what's a really interesting side note to this is. Right after all this happened, somehow Kateo got a hold of a mic and just started talking about how this bullshit is fake. I could take every guy in here. Like this is this is ridiculous. And it's a uh, no surprise that within days, if not hours, Kateo was fired from the promotion and was never invited back. Just so you guys know, <laughs> what a um, bitch. Yeah, it's, it's it's an amazing story, right? For something that almost nothing happened, but you can see the amount of. The amount of aura that's in there, the talent that's in there to really hurt people because they both could have really hurt people. And what happens, what's really funny is that Kateo keeps trying to take advantage of him. And Tenta's like, no, man, like, fuck you. It's not happening. And eventually, Kateo just kind of stands up. He, he gets out of his fine stance and kind of just puts his hands on his hips in disgust of Tenta because Tenta is like, I'm not putting up with your shit. You know, which was I just, I just thought it was absolutely amazing to me uh, watching that. So, I, I mean, once I watched that particular match, I'm like, man, you know, Earthquake got my respect, bro. Like more than ever. We, we, we always thought of Earthquake as this major heel. He had some face runs later when he was doing tag matches with Tugboat or Typhoon, whatever you want to call him. But we never had that respect for Earthquake that we should have. And that's that's kind of, that's what's kind of cool to me about when stuff gets real. You start to realize who, who's, who should have my respect. Then Tenta was definitely someone that should have had my respect a long about time their ago. their character. You don't know what you don't know, right? I mean. Yeah. You learn well, about them. Their I character mean, this, is about t- this is nothing, nothing about their. Maybe their character saying. of, of yeah, man, but it's not their wrestling character, right? So, yeah, the character of a motherfucking man, right? So, all of my opponents go out on a stretcher. You yourself have not been excluded. You have experience because you felt the stretcher. Now, you're going out on the stretcher once and for all, and that's a promise from the quake. You are going to fail all of the earthquakes that I've been keeping inside. You and Hulkamania are finished in this match. You and Hulkamania are going out on a yeah, stretcher. Yeah, you got you to love Tenta. You got to love Earthquake for uh, what he did for the business, uh, being an extraordinary heel. Not even caring about that, but when it came down to to the real, Tenta could get real, and Tenta could, you know, he could handle himself. Let's just put it that way. And uh, I, I think it's a phenomenal match. You got to go catch it. You got to find it. Uh, it. It's pretty easy to find uh, all over social media. Uh, YouTube is an easy find on it. So uh, good stuff. Speaking of a lack of character, though, we get into a couple of guys here. Some people would say one has character now. One may have had character in the realm, but I'm going to straighten these guys out. But these are two guys that have a a checkered past. Uh, is putting it lightly. 
And what we're going to jump into, we're going to we're going to jump into Lex Luger versus Bruiser Brody. You know, the story of Lex Luger are just are just infamous, right? Uh, he's got a lot of stories. They're not very they're not they don't really put him in a good light, unfortunately for him. I know he's better. He's a he's a better person now. We always want to make sure we we talk into that. Uh, but I also believe that uh, Brody's death is even more well known to to others out there, especially the the diehards, because Brody's death probably was never really um, just justified. Nobody was ever brought to to the terms on that to say, "Hey, you, you're responsible for this." Uh, you know, it's a, it's a story for a whole another day. And I know a lot of people don't know Brody. I I I am fascinated with that whole story personally. I know Jess is like Dave. You can't talk about that because nobody knows about it. It is one of the things, like, how does nobody... It, because it happened where it happened. No, it's not even that it. nobody knows you about the story. I just don't think... Do like I don't think really anybody at- legitimately understands who Bruiser Brody, Bruiser Brody is. He was eating a live chicken here before, Mr. Brody. Not me, not me, not me. Kombucha! 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 that's my yeah and I, and I agree with you on that but you know when you understand who the man is and what he did and what happened to him God, what a story. It's phenomenal. I got to find a way to really explain that to people who don't know who Bruiser was to try to figure that out. It's, it's something for a whole other day. I, I find it absolutely fascinating, you know, his his uh, his murder, his story. But that's for another day, right? We'll, we'll, we'll get into that eventually. But I think everybody can agree that Brody had a reputation for putting young wrestlers in their place, while Luger um, had a big head early. So... <laughs> In hindsight, maybe this wasn't the best pairing uh, for these guys. It wasn't well thought out. So what this is, guys, this is a, a still cage match. And... Uh, for those of you that have seen still cage matches today, this is different. They didn't do still cage matches the way they do now. You can't escape outside of the still cage. You can't go out of the gate to win. What you do is you use the still cage as a weapon, and the only way you can win is by pinfall or submission. If you try to leave over the top of the cage or go out the gate, you will be disqualified. You will lose. So this was old school cage match rules, right? Uh like I said, no escape, use the ring as a weapon, pin floor submission is the only way to win. The rumors have it, when you talk about this story, Lex tried to tell Brody how the match was going to go, or he at least asked Brody how it was going to go, and you know Brody doesn't do business like that. Brody's like, let's fill it in the ring, let's do whatever. Or you just be like, listen, son, I'm Bruiser Brody, you do what I tell you, Right. And I think Brody would have put him over because Luger was the face at this moment. He's the young up-and-comer. He's huge. He's he's a legit 280. He's he's a gorgeous young man, right? Everybody wants to see someone like that go over. So it, it's basic, right? But when Luger tried to take any kind of control or ask any questions, I, in my opinion, I think Brody's like, you know what, man? Fuck you. Here we go. This is going to be fun for me. 
And literally, I'd say less than halfway through the match, Brody just stops selling. Like Luger kind of gets his come-ups. He's letting Brody beat the crap out of him because that's the rule, right? The heel is supposed to control the majority of the match. But there are portions where, you know, the face has a little bit of comeback. You give the crowd something to cheer about. And Brody's just no-selling everything. Brody's like, fuck you, bro. I ain't selling none of your shit. Right? Um, and you can see Luger getting noticeably concerned about it. Because Brody's looking at him like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you, bro. And that's real. I'm sorry. That's what's going to happen. So Luger's looking around, looking at the ref like, what do I do? What do I do? Right? And, and you can really see Brody eventually. He starts to grab Luger by the legs. He starts to pull him, starts to stretch him. He tries to hurt him. You can start to see it happening. And Luger just keeps looking at the ref like, what's going on? The ref's like, I don't know what to do, man. I don't, like, you think I can tell Brody what to do at this point? And eventually Luger gets so, I don't want to say scared, but I would be scared because I think Brody could have legitly hurt him if he wanted to. He literally climbs over the ring and he disqualifies himself in the match. And the crowd's like, what the hell happened? And the ref's like, what happened? I don't know. And, and Brody kind of gets the victory on DQ. And it, it's it's hilarious because after the match, Luger's like, did I do something wrong? Brody's like, no, no. <laughs> and, and that was Brody, bro. Brody just didn't tell you anything. And I think if Brody was alive today, unfortunately, Brody died in 1988. Uh, something that I think will definitely touch base on a um, when I can sell these guys on a story that we can talk about Bruiser Brody. Um, but we will probably never know what Bruiser Brody was thinking when he was no selling Luger. Was what was he gonna do? Why did he do that? Because there were there were reasons, but Brody never told us. He never told anybody what his reasons were uh in, in that in that facet. So I'm sorry guys, I kind of took over there. Jump jump in at any time. What are your feelings on this? Because when I watch the match, I get noticeably concerned for Luger as well. Yeah, I think it just has to do with, uh, you know, Brody was kind of off the wall a little bit. And I think he's probably more sane than people really give him uh, credit for. But at the same time, like, yeah, he was a legit heel. And, like, he sold his character. And he was all about that. And and uh, I, I just believe it was, yeah, this young guy that was trying to get in there and tell him his business. And and I'm going to guide the match or, or you know, this and that. Let's do this and let's do that. And Brody, Brody was probably just like, no, I mean, like you said, let's just feel it. And then Luger probably kept beating him up in the back going, no, come on, seriously, let's sit down and line stuff out. I just see like this in my mind, this huge irritation going on backstage and then Brody getting out there and just being like, you know what? I'm just not going to sell shit for you. Luger was probably trying to call spots and Brody was just like not having it. That's what I think happened. It has to be, right? It has to be something uh, to, to that to that accord because – I can't imagine any other reason why why Brody would do that. He was noticeably irritated with Luger, and Luger was noticeably like confused and scared because <laughs> Luger had just got on the scene like what maybe less than a few years. He yeah. hadn't been around for very long, and uh, he looked he looked great in there, uh, you know, physically, right? But there's no way he had any kind of teeth for Brody to really do anything real with him. You know, he couldn't like think about Tenta at that point. Tenta was able to defend himself against anybody, but Luger, there's no way. I mean, and Luger was never the kind of, Luger was never identified as a tough guy either, right? That 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 kind of is is the story of where, man, you know, Luger and Brody, you know, there's 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 some respect, not a ton, but I have I have huge respect for at least one of the guys we're gonna talk about next, which makes this story so incredibly interesting because there's a lot of he said, he said here. 
Uh, but this is so real that it wasn't even in a match when wrestling got real. We're going to talk about Arn Anderson versus Sid Vicious. We're going to talk about the infamous scissor match, <laughs> scissor fight, if you will. So l- l- let's get into that. First of all, someone has to explain to me why WCW is on a fucking European tour right now. Like, God knows why. Like, someone tell me. Like, I don't get it. Um, <clears throat> basically, on the first this was night. N- this was 1993. Yeah. Yeah. 1993. Yeah. And and when something like this happens, I I can understand at this point someone going like, that's fucking dumb. This shit's fake. Why would you get that worked up? This story, it's so cool to talk about and stuff. And there's been shoot interviews on it and all that stuff. And it sounds great. But like, really, when you think about it, it's fucking horrifying. And it really shouldn't have happened. At all. I'm not saying a scissor fight's ever justified. I couldn't sure. name to you right now a particular scenario where I was like, you know what would have fucking solved that dispute? A goddamn scissor fight. Like, I can't think of anything that I could <laughs> throw in there as an example where that would be acceptable. I just, I just, first of all, I don't care how drunk I get. Um, I would never pick a fight with fucking Sid Vicious. Uh, Sid Vicious oh. is legitly six foot seven, six foot eight, 325 pounds, 330 pounds. Of almost no fat on that motherfucker's body when he was in his prime, he was gi- a sure. gigantic man. To the, I'm I'm being serious. I've seen a lot of live wrestling shows, and I've seen I've seen El Gigante live when he was Giant Gonzalez, and that was probably one of the biggest people I've ever seen. But he he had long ass legs, right? And he looked not proportioned. You know, sure. his legs weren't in proportion with the rest of his body. But Sid Vicious, when I saw him live. The first time was in the house show I mentioned on on uh, one of our past episodes uh, in at the LA Sports Arena in 1992 when uh, Sid and Flair took on Hulk and Piper, and uh, he was the biggest. And I was midway up in the arena; I wasn't like floor seats or anything, but I was kind of midway in the arena. And uh, he was the biggest proportionate human being I'd ever seen, and I still think to this day that reigns true. Sid vicious. He didn't really have like, I mean, he kind of had long legs, but th- his body was all, everything was in proportion with itself. He was legitly every bit of six foot seven, six foot eight, fucking 330 pounds of a goddamn, mo- his traps were gigantic. Like he is the biggest human being I've ever seen live in my life. Like uh, just a monster of a human being, mo- a monster. Like that's the only way I can describe seeing him live. And I was midway up in the arena when I saw him for the first time. And I was like, God, like he's just a big fucking man. Like I did. There's no other way I can describe him. Yeah. Just and a I'll, fucking monster. You, I don't think anybody disagrees with that. I, I think the only thing that people might disagree with is like, so fucking what? How big he is. And I think our Anderson. No, you're right. You're like, you know, you're right. But at the same time, yeah. I don't think Anderson wasn't known as like this fucking tough guy in the back and all that. Anderson sure. was, was kind of softish. I'm not saying Anderson, but Anderson was never known for his body or anything like that. He was always just kind of, you know, Anderson knew professional wrestling, knew to knew the flow, knows how to move in there, knows how to dance, so to speak. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not saying Anderson's a pussy. I'm just saying that he was not known for fighting. We've often said James Day Dillon is a quality athlete in his own right. He put it beside him because he decided to, not out of necessity. But the bottom line is, I've always called a spade a spade, right or wrong. You're right. I won't argue with you. People say a lot of things about me. One thing I'm not is a liar. And when I tell you in just a few short hours, somebody could get hurt, maimed, 
crippled. Yeah, I guess that was my question. Are, are you saying like, are you saying Arn could or could not handle himself? Outside I, I don't even know. I, I don't think yeah. so. I could be totally wrong. He doesn't have a reputation for that, and I don't mean that in a bad way. There's a lot of people that don't. I well, mean, he wasn't picking fights, right? Yeah, he wasn't. I mean, he was a he was a great worker in the ring. He was a great technician. He again, he knew pro, pro wrestling. He knew how to make his opponent look good. He knew how to make himself look good. And I don't know that Sid was a legit tough guy either. Sid fucking screamed and was legitly a psycho in his character, you know, when he was in character. But um, I don't know that, I don't know if Sid was a, a tough guy in real life. I don't, I don't think so. Again, I, I know he was massive, but I mean, I'm just, just the visual of it. I don't know. Maybe Arn knew Sid. That's why he had the balls. So let's get into the story. So I, I think you were starting into it, Dave. They were, they were getting drunk at a bar, yeah. um, as wrestlers do, uh, get drunk. Afterwards, and WCW in '93, and the whole business was starting to hit the ground. The wrestling itself was not very good, and I do believe in the early '90s, the American economy wasn't doing well. So you have all that together was was translating into you know wrestling ratings dropping a little bit. I don't know what that has to do with finances, but apparently people get their TVs repossessed. I don't know, um, but like just the interest in wrestling was going down. The steroid trial broke. Um, Vince on the national level was trying to you know, get smaller people there, you know, as champion, like Brad and Sean and all that stuff. He was trying to put them in the, in the forefront and, uh, or really big fat guys like Yokozuna, where it did not look like they were on steroids. And, and WCW was just trying anything to compete with WWF. And 93 was not a great year for WCW. There's a lot of not great years for WCW. Um, I wish that we had episodes in our archive that spoke about that. So, um, uh, <laughs> I, I so they were on this European tour and and they were drunk and and basically you know there was a lot of politics going on in WCW as there was in WWF but the buck always stopped with Vince and the WWF in WCW it was such a volatile non structured thing in the background and behind the scenes that shit like this happened a lot um, yeah. so they were getting drunk and you know people were just talking it was Arn Anderson Sid and I think Two Cold Scorpio was there and a few other people Vader. And um, and they were all talking, a few other people, I'm sure. And they were just talking about, what do we got to do? Like, you know, like, we're all not getting the money that we want and stuff. Because wrestling was in the toilet. That also showed you how fucking stupid some of the wrestlers are. It's like, the whole industry's down. And they're like, what am I going to get my money? So I'm like, well, never. Because the whole fucking industry's down. It's like a fucking business that you're running is down like 35% year to date. And you're knocking on the boss's door then going like, I need a raise. It's like, really? You're going to come to me at my financially weakest time and fucking think I'm going to give you a raise? Go fuck yourself. You could be the reason why my company's in the shithole for all I know at this point, you know? So it's like it, WCW was in that kind of turmoil stage in like mid to late 93. Sid had already been booked. I, I don't think it was public yet, but he was already booked as going to beat Vader at Starcade 93 for the WCW Heavyweight Championship. The match that Flair ended up taking and beating Vader, which thank goodness this what happened because what we match. would never have seen that amazing match with Flair and Vader and Flair winning and and saving his career and all that stuff and kind of opening up, you know, starting a new chapter in his career. I've been in Super Bowls like everybody else. In 1983, me, take the stadium, me. And a kid who is in the ground. I don't know what the legacy of. I'm not saying Flair would have just disappeared, but can you imagine? Because Sid, Sid was going to win the world title from Vader. It was already foregone. It was already talked about that was happening. So Sid started getting a big old hard on about how, like, you know, uh, because he knew he was going to be champion. Like, you know, what's wrong with the business is these old fucks like Flair. And Flair and Anderson back yep. in the day were best friends. 
So you yeah, don't say tight, that. Bro. So tight. he was obviously doing that in purpose in front of everybody to show that I'm going to be the new guy. I'm going to win the world title soon. And I have no problem telling this old fuck Arn Anderson that his old fucking friend Flair, who wasn't down at the bar, surprisingly, he must have been at some other bar. Um, <laughs> you know, because Flair, Flair not drinking is weird. And so, um, so he was just like, yeah, your, your old fucking guy like Flair needs to step out of the way and let the younger guys or the fresher guys like me and other people take the reins and we'll get business up. And then of course, Anderson disputed that and it got heated and they were both drunk. And then I don't think, I don't think they got into a scuffle in the bar, but they were pretty much broken up in the sense it got heated enough to where people are like, you need to go back up to your room. So, um, Arn went to his room. And Sid decided in his drunken stupor, I'm not fucking done with him yet. I need him to fucking listen to what I'm going to say. And he stays king as long as he can. But one day, one day, my friend, he becomes too old. He becomes too tired. He has faced too many battles. Then he faces the young lion. The young lion you have to face, my friend. You are looking at him. And he rules. Yeah, technically, technically, Sid went to his room, had like half his sandwich, and for some reason got stirred up even more. (laughs) He just sat down. He's like, I'm going to eat my sandwich. This motherfucker. I'm going to eat my chips. And he got halfway through and he's like, fucking Arn Anderson. Like, and he just gets up. (laughs) I'm going to go to his room. Like, and he just gets up and he fucking, yeah, goes to Anderson's room, knocks on the door, and is like, I'm not finished with you, boy. Like and uh, so Anderson answers the door. I don't even know where the scissors came into play. If I'm, I'm well, this, not even. This is this is where it gets really hazy, right? This is where you. It kind of depends on the story you hear, uh, because they're allegedly, you know, the first thing that happened when Arn opened the door was Sid hit him with a chair leg, right? Now other people dispute that and say, "Wait, That's Sid had a chair. <laughs> Sid yeah. had a chair leg in his hands when he knocked on the door." Well, that's the thing. Sid did say, this is what Sid said. He's like, I, I found that chair leg. And I thought I was going to just whop him over the head a couple Wait, times. Wait, he with found it a chair away. leg. I'm fascinated at this point. So that's, that's, that's number one, right? Well, so I was one. just, while I was walking down the hall and I, and saw, I saw this chair. chair leg on the ground. It was not even a chair. It was just, I found this chair leg. It's so funny. He explained, he's explaining well, himself. I, yeah. Like I, I think he said he found the chair. And he, like when and you he bust did. your nine-year-old from getting into something, you're like, yeah. where'd you find that? I, I just found your shoes on the ground and I decided to fuck them up and put them on. It's like, no, you didn't just no, find my shoes. You them. went into my closet and got my shoes. Like, Sid went somewhere, maybe his <laughs> hotel room, where there was a chair and he broke the leg off and that yeah. is, off. I happen to find a uh But that's the, that's the interesting chair. thing, is that he, <laughs> he says that he knocked story. on the door, like, like, tore, he tore Arn a new asshole through the door and Arn wouldn't answer the door he starts to walk away, uh, and that's when Arn answered the door. Sid turned around and said, "We're not finished." And that's when he saw Arn with scissors in his hand. He says that Arn charged him. But Sid had <laughs> Sid yeah. had the the chair leg still in his hand. What happened to the chair leg? That that that's interesting, right? We so don't. I want to know, really like, know, what this we? chair leg? But first of all, I have found one. Like, I just said he's innocently walking. On, I'm going to go talk to Anderson. I'm going to have a nice professional talk with them. Oh, a chair leg, and pick. No, I'm going to beat him with this. Like, it just somehow it went from zero to sixty. I just I'm interested in all this. This is great. Yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. And so that, they that's open the door. It's... He claims that Anderson charged him with scissors. Yes, they're both drunk at this point. Oh, and of then uh, he did stab Sid a couple of times. 
Sid, being a massive monster, wrestled the scissors away from Anderson and then proceeded yeah. to stab the shit out of Arn Anderson 20-something times, right? I, I don't remember the exact numbers. Yeah, but what, but what he didn't know is that he had already he said, I, when I got stabbed, I didn't realize it. So we're, we're fighting the entire time. And I didn't realize that I was stabbed pretty. I was stabbed pretty good, um, in, in the belly. And this is kind of where the where the haziness kind of comes to light because that's when too cold. He hears the all the disruption in the halls. Apparently, Vader's like, I didn't hear shit until Bye. like there were screams in the hallway. <laughs> when, and yeah, does anybody know <laughs> too cold? Do you guys remember too cold Scorpio's theme music? Oh, it's, it's great. Yeah. So, Too Cold Steam music, I don't know why I'm thinking of this in my head. This is so ridiculous that he hears it and his theme music starts to play. He goes, Everybody, here comes Too Cold Scorpio! And he comes running down the hall. I just imagine everything that wrestlers do in their private life, they're like, you know, when someone does a run in now, there's theme music hits and they come running down. So, here comes Too Cold Scorpio to save the day, and his theme music's just fucking blaring down the hallway as he's doing it. I don't know why I'm thinking of that. That's the dumbest thought I have. For reals, though, for reals. (laughs) Too cold literally starts going down the hall and he sees blood smeared all over the hallway oh, walls. Fuck. And then he gets close enough and finally he sees the two of them still wrestling and there's blood everywhere, just 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 fighting full bore with each other. And uh and that's so the where re- Vader, Vader hears Scorpio or hears he finally hears the curdling of murder in the hallway and he gets up in his underwear. He's like, Imagine me, four twenty in, in just underwear. I had really thick thighs, you know, it's, it's quite a sight to see. And he has to go up and that that's when too cool breaks them up, and and because and, and then over the realm of it, uh, Sid says that arms like, dude, you're killing me. And that's when he kind of snaps back into it and realizes there's blood everywhere. And when he gets up, like according to uh, according to Vader, Vader said, dude, there was blood pouring out of his belly. We're not talking like it was pouring down his gut, like it was pushing. Yeah, he said out, Vader. Like, yeah, Vader age. joined right after that. Sid and that's when, pouring blood? and according according to Vader, he stuck his thumb into Vicious's belly to stop the bleed. Like that's how much blood. And I think I heard a shoot interview that Vicious said he doesn't remember that. Yeah, he doesn't remember that. But Vader said like there was so much blood that like, he yeah that's so again that that's kind of. It could be real, could not be right, but he had a pretty significant, you know, injury, and he had they had to do exploratory surgery and all that kind of stuff, and um, you know, before they they sent him back, and in the end of it, Arn had twenty plus stab wounds from head to toe, and Sid had four stab wounds, but he had the most major injuries, right? Because he probably got hit first. Um, they were hospitalized and they were returned to the States the next day. Arn has never spoken of this incident in any detail because according to him, he doesn't really remember it. Um, I, I find this whole thing absolutely fascinating for so many reasons. One, um, like like to, to Jess's point, this pretty much totally stopped Sid's title run at this time. He was fired. He was fired. Yeah. He, yeah Anderson he, was they, suspended. And he was Sid suspended, was but everybody said, if you don't get rid of Sid, bro, you're fired. And the funny thing is Sid's like, the another fascinating. There's like three things that fascinate me. That's that's number one. Number two, nobody got charged for shit. Nobody got charged for any kind of it's pro wrestling, sir. I don't know, um, assault, any kind of attempted murder. Nothing. 
Yeah, nothing like that happened at all. Well, Sid and Sid claims that it you should press charges on this guy because there's not a scratch on him. And and Sid almost believed it because he's like, that motherfucker, he took me took advantage when I was drunk and this and that. But then the nurse is like, Your friend's in really bad shape. And he's yeah, like, Yeah, Anderson I, got the I, worst I of it. Yeah, and he's like, I dropped the charges at that point. Cause they were asking me to press charges against him. I was like, All right. Which is that 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 shit's just crazy in itself, right? And then the um the the last thing that I find, I mean absolutely just crazy to me is that they're they're still they're cool now they, they talked it out like like nobody nobody got in trouble for it wcw just kind of pushed that shit under the rug um and, and well i mean just point this, this got in trouble he got fired well he got fired i mean i get that i mean but i can't believe that no nobody served any time over this uh you know we actually had a yeah, whole well, different that was like idea attempted of murder happen. like that's crazy yeah, yeah, it, it's unbelievable. And to think about what would have happened where Flair wouldn't even been in the title pitcher, he was kind of, again, they go back to Flair, bro. When, when in doubt, you go back to Flair. And he has an amazing match with Vader. What if it was a setup? Flair wasn't, it's it's That's odd true. that Flair wasn't there. Four horsemen, hmm, too. And Anderson took the bullet. Yeah. Flair's like, huh? Flair's all hard. <laughs> you got to do something for me, Arn. Like, I'm Never know. not being pushed. Shit's going to win the title. Like, ah. I can't let these young fucks Who take knows, this promotion bro. over. The old will rule forever. Yeah, take a scissor for on me, your head, bro. Take a fucking scissor for me. And Arn's like, you got it. And he fucking gets drunk and does it. It's all, I believe it's all a shoot. If the Montreal screw job was a fucking work, then fucking so is this. Oh, yep. God, right? You never know. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane. I, there's just so many things that baffle me on this whole story. Like, why, why I are just, you? I even- <laughs> cannot get it out of my head if Stu Cold Scorpio ran oh, down the hall in his underwear with this theme music playing. I'm convinced yeah. his theme music was fucking playing. I can't confirm I don't know where from the, the hotel speakers. I don't care. I just, it, whenever any wrestler runs to the other one's aid, whether it's real life or on, their fucking theme music has to play. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, honestly, Vader running around everywhere would be quite a sight. Not something I'd ever want to see, but <laughs> yeah, that big bastard just in his in his tidy whiteies <laughs> and his big old balls his... just fucking clanking away. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> just clanking like yeah. I miss him. I miss him. I miss that big fat son. Of I bitch. miss his balls too. Yeah, well, you you might know about him. <laughs> But you know, I, I got to tell you guys that's uh, that's where we're gonna wrap it up. I think that's the uh, the scissor fight is the ultimate uh, uh, way to finish this up. What I will guarantee is that we're gonna another. have another episode like this. There's too many incidents where wrestling gets real that we can't talk about. So we're gonna have a lot of fun with this. I can't wait to get back to it. Do you guys have anything else to say before we sign off? Yes. Um, I no, I just, fucking it's the best. The scissor story is one of my favorite stories because. I just think it's ridiculous. Like they're, they're so like they're so destructive pro wrestlers. It's my that's probably why I'm really drawn to it. Behind the stage, most of most of them used to be. I think now they're a lot more tamer and they don't do drugs. And I'm not saying all of them don't, but you know, they some of the criticism over the last decade is like you know all this all this new generation does. They just play video games in the back. Well, fucking good. Like I think I've said before, heaven forbid they don't fucking drink a twelve pack just to wash down pain pills and then fucking wake up in the morning with a massive hangover and take pills to uppers, do coke and fucking wrestle, destroy their body, 
do it all yeah. over again. You know what I mean? That's what it was before. But it's just so funny how they're fucking that bored. And and that's how serious it is to them. It's a business, right? So they're fucking getting drunk and getting all like, these old fucks need to fucking get out of the way. Hey, what'd you say about my friend? Like, and it's fucking scissor, scissor, chair leg. Everybody, here comes you, gold scalping out. Like, running down the fucking hallway. Like, it's fucking burrito. Like, you can't fight. Like, this, if WCW storylines were even close to that good, they would have fucking passed Vince a long time good ago. Good God, yeah. It's this, fucking uh, ridiculous. <laughs> like, it was awesome. This story is is uh, uh, the most entertaining inside of Jess's head. That's all I have to say. It is. And it's, and it's still incredibly entertaining, but it's there's nothing story. that matches it over, over Jess's head. And Vader was in his whitey tidies with his balls coming out, but he had his mask on. And that's all. Just as in your mi- in your that. mind, the mask has to be on, does it not? Yeah, I mean. maybe his gloves. Maybe his gloves are on too. I don't know yet. I'll decide. It's possible. But it's he's just possible. sticking his thumb in Sid's wound, and he's got his mask on and fucking balls hanging out. Like just great. Like just yep. great WCW action overseas. Great stories. All right. I'll tell you great stories. We're gonna have more of them. Let's go ahead and sign it off. As always, you can reach us via Instagram at OWP2019, SoundCloud at Our Wrestling Podcast, YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel, or you can just do the easy thing and download WrestlePost. It's an app at no charge to you. You can get it on the Apple or Android platforms and join us along with other great podcasts of the day. This is the OWP signing off. Have a good one. Peace out, guys.